Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the Ankylosing Spondylitis Reduce Your Pain podcast. This is the place of positivity, of empowerment, of mind-body awareness for people with ankylosing spondylitis. What we talk about in this, this episode specifically, and this podcast in general, is very, very, very unique stuff. And for those of you that are getting on board, and there have been more and more and more of you, you're understanding the, the level of, of depth and wisdom in, in what we're talking about. You see, a lot of people don't know that disease that is in our body and in our mind is not separate from the rest of our life and the rest of the people that we engage with and our perception of who we are and and because most people don't understand that, they can't address it. And because they can't address it, they can't do what's needed to allow their body to relax, to allow deep levels of stress to relax, so that the body can naturally come back into balance. These are the kind of things you're going to hear in this next episode, for sure. I interview Peter Winslow again, who has been a mentor for me. He's a good friend of mine. He is with singularity, the person that transformed my life and health more than anyone else by far. So it's great having him on the show. But what we're getting, what you're going to understand in this podcast is we're not talking about how to treat ankylosing spondylitis. We are not doctors, for one. Here's a quick disclaimer. We are not doctors. We are not treating disease. We are not replacing medical advice okay we in fact we encourage you to to listen to your doctors to be smart about what you do what we're talking about are the the mind body principles and how important they are and when people like you get on board with what you're going to hear in this next episode it changes the game completely this is how people are reclaiming their lives from pain this is how people are allowing their bodies to come back into homeostasis. So it's very, very fun to be talking about these things with Peter today. I'm excited you're here. If you have any questions, comments, contact us after you listen to this and let us know. And wait, make sure you, you make it to the end of this podcast because the last question I ask Peter, I ask him about the, the simplicity of the program that he's built and um, at the same time, also the simplicity of what I offer as well, because that's really important for you to hear that, that what we talk about in this podcast, it, it goes pretty deep. And if you're new to this kind of dialogue, I don't want it to be overwhelming for you, because as you'll find at the end of this podcast, things can be very, very simple. So without further ado, I'm going to bring us right into today's show. Good afternoon, Peter. How are you? Hey, Sky, it's good to be with you, man. Totally. I'm doing well. Doing very well, thanks. Good, good. It's always fun to see you, man. I, I think I always smile when I see your face. <laughs> yeah, I've been told my whole life I'm funny looking, so that explains it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you're funny looking. I just have such, you know, like I respect you. I appreciate all of our time together, and it, was, it changed my life forever. And I, you know, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, it's all good, isn't it? You're where you, you where you are meant to be. Yeah, yeah. So I'm super happy to have you on board again today, and I want to jump right into something that we talked about on the, the previous episode. 
and it has to do with security, approval, and control. And these are things that you taught me about when I was in a lot of pain. And these are concepts I would have never imagined were connected to ankylosing spondylitis symptoms and, and chronic stress and areas that I could look into in order to improve my situation. These were introduced by you and I've never heard them come from anywhere else. So I would love for you to, to briefly explain them and, and why they can be so beneficial for people in chronic pain with AS who are looking for a better life. Excellent question. Yeah, this is one of the things that very few people know. In fact, nobody knows except the people I teach that I've ever heard. I've never read it in a book. I've never discovered it anywhere else in the media or, you know, with other people's techniques and approaches to relief and recovery and remission. Uh, what it is basically is stress relief, but it's deep stress that's unconscious and unaware. And that's what, that's what allows the immune system to get stronger. The main threat to the immune system, and we were finding this out a lot more personally here in the uh, age of uh, COVID-19, stress is the main culprit in weakening the immune system so it can't do its job and fend off disease and discomfort. So these three primary wants, I call them, the three primary wants are three things that everybody needs or else they suffer and it causes a tremendous amount of stress in people's lives. And they're living their lives this way without even realizing what's going on. So when we cover this in the coaching and it makes a difference to people and they understand what's going on with this, it makes huge amounts of progress in their recovery. Their recovery time is flattened by a tremendous amount exponentially. And they become more, more self-aware of what's going on with them that's causing their stress and causing their issues emotionally, which again, impede the immune system. So the three primary wants that you're talking about are three things that everyone needs. And in fact, most people don't have them. And if you don't have them, then you suffer. You suffer with stress, anxiety, and other emotional and mental issues that create illness in the body. So the three things that everybody wants, the first one is security. And if you don't feel secure, you suffer and it causes stress in your life. Uh, the cruel secret is that you can't get secure. There's no such thing as real security. You could walk out tomorrow morning in the street and get hit by a bus and it's all over. You just never know when that's gonna happen. People typically equate security to financial security. And that's what they think will keep them going. But now we've seen with the, uh, ever since the economic downturn in 2008 and now with this uh, off-putting situation with uh, COVID-19 in the economy now, we see that economic security is a phantom. It's an illusion. There are people who are very wealthy financially and then can lose it all in a matter of days. And what they thought was security, poof, just vanishes. That causes a lot of stress. And people are living with that stress with the worries in the back of their mind every day of their lives, whether it's come to the surface and they're aware of it, or whether it's buried and repressed and they're not aware of it, it creates issues. So what I teach people is what true security is. If you want financial security, I'll give it to you right now. This is the definition and the uh, working of financial security. It's one thing and one thing only. If you want financial security, this is it. It goes like this. When I need money, I can get it. 
That's it. If that's your case, if that's what you've got going on, that's the only thing that gives you financial security. When I need money, I can get it. That's financial security. No amount of portfolios and investments and holdings and real properties can replace knowing that when I need money, I can get it. That's financial security. But that's not true security in terms of your life. Like I said, you could walk out tomorrow morning and get hit by a bus and it's all over. So the only security that we have access to is really knowing that no matter what happens, I'll be okay. So you need to get to that point, and that's what I do in the coaching, is teach people how to get to that point. It would take a couple hours to get there for me to explain it to people right now, but that's essentially what we're uh, creating, is true personal security, which is no matter what happens, even if I die, I'll be okay. So that's the only security we can get. Everything else is an attempt to grab what's ephemeral and not lasting. It's like walking out into the ocean, grabbing a handful of water and trying to hold on to it and take it back to the shore. You know, try to grab a handful of water. It's going to run right through your fingers. That's how security op operates in our lives. So the only security is knowing that even unto death, I'll be okay. Can you imagine getting to that point? I know you can, but for listeners, can you imagine coming to the point where even to your own death, you feel like everything's going to be fine? That's true security. And I show people how to do that through spiritual practices that don't take long at all. Now, the second thing everybody's trying to accomplish and the second primary want that they have that they all want is control. So they're trying to get secure by controlling their environment. They're trying to control the government or control the markets or control their business or control the people in their lives or control their habits. And people are doing woefully, terribly at controlling these things because they don't realize, and we teach this in the coaching, they don't realize that there's only two things in life that we can ever control. Everything else is beyond our control. And trying to control anything that you don't control, like other people's behaviors or you know, what other people are doing, it's a recipe for disaster and it creates madness. People actually go mad they get angry, they get anxiety, they get worrisome, they get ill trying to control their children or trying to control their spouse or trying to control their employees or trying to control their boss or trying to control all these external things that they cannot control. So the only two things that we can control in our lives and everything else is out beyond our control, the only two things that we control are our beliefs and our behaviors. That's it. And most people can barely control that. They've been told what to believe and how to believe it. They don't know if they believe what they hear. They don't understand the nature of belief and how belief sets us up for everything that we experience in life. And behaviors, people are acting woefully out of alignment with proper behaviors. You know, they have addictions and compulsions and epidemic uh, proportions of stress and they don't control their behaviors at all. They're addicted to gambling or shopping or substances and they're trying to control the world around them in order to get secure so if you let go of those things that you cannot control it relieves a huge amount of stress huge ton of bricks is taken off our back and our shoulders when we stop trying to control things that we cannot control and the third thing that everybody's trying to get is approval from others that's why most people live their lives in family settings or communities or 
church diocese or whatever, they want the approval of their peers and the other people in their neighborhoods and their communities, particularly their caregivers or their children or their uh, nuclear family members. But they want the approval from others. And you can't get approval from others if you don't approve of yourself. Other people will feel that. And we're actually training people how to treat us by how we treat ourselves. And most people are doing that according to how they can get approval from their caregivers or from their significant others or from the community around them. So I grew up with a person who cared the least about that of anybody I've ever known. It was my dad. He could care less what people thought of him ever. He could not care less about what people were saying or thinking about him. And he was a military commander, an officer in the Air Force. And I came to realize when I was studying these principles that even that guy who didn't care what anybody thought of him did care and needed the approval of others when it came to his career. That's how he rose to the rank of colonel, was by doing his work properly and making breakthroughs and getting work done in amazing ways so that he could keep making his prom promotions. And that's actually a manifestation of approval from your uh, higher ups, approval from others. So I realized even that guy, my dad, who didn't care what anybody thought of him, needed the approval of his community in order to have a successful career. So everybody's looking for that approval from others. And again, we can't get it. We can't get security. We can't control anything outside of the two main issues that we do control, which most people can barely control those. And we don't get the approval from others until we can approve of ourselves. If we approve of ourselves and who we are and what we're doing, other people will approve of us too. They may not like us, they may not want to spend time with us, but they can at least approve that we are who we are and we are consistent with what we, uh, you know, we walk our talk and talk our walk and we're consistent with our values. So those three things, if people get those in alignment, huge amount of stress is taken off their bodies and their minds. I should say it like this, a huge amount of stress is taken off their mind, which affects their bodies. Their bodies begin to heal themselves more effectively. The immune system gets stronger. And that's why this is all intrinsic to learning about recovery and remission from ankylosing spondylitis because it's a stress-related illness, as are 95% of the illnesses in the world. It's stress and stress-related illness that causes all the issues. So that's what the Winslow Way and uh, AS Victors Association is all about, is removing the stress. Because the doctors don't really do that. I mean, they, they work with the body and the body only. They give you drugs and treatments for the physical aptitudes. And gee, they can't find a cure there. There's no cure if we just look at the body and don't address the mind and the mental aspirations and the uh, emotional proclivities that people have and the issues that come about as a result of unbalanced mental and emotional substrates in people's beings. Now let's bring it down into the out of the ether and into the modern workaday world. What this means is people are stressed out entirely and it's causing issues in their bodies. And if you've got ankylosing spondylitis, you need to pay attention to this. You need to let go of all that stress because you're never gonna heal when you're feeling stressed out. The body follows the mind. So that's what we teach in coaching. And that's why coaching is so relevant. You know, people are like, what are you doing, Peter? How do you do this? How do you get people into remission? What's this coaching all about? And then, they, of course, they'd like me to explain the coaching to them in a matter of, uh, you know, 30 seconds or so, which is <laughs> almost impossible to do because it's beyond what they're thinking already. So they have to have a change of 
perception and perspective in order to grasp what it is we're doing. So that's the challenge that I came here today to help people overcome and understand who we are and what we do and how we get such success rates with putting people in remission and full recovery from AS. Yeah, cool. Well, that's all a very good explanation. Thank you. Um, before we jump into what coaching is and why it's so effective, I want to jump back because you said a certain word um, when you're talking about security and how people can can let go of the need for like seeking security outside themselves. And you said the word or the term spiritual practices. And so I want to talk about that because not everyone is spiritual. I certainly wasn't when I was younger and, and I've developed a spiritual practice because I've noticed it's helped my health, my body. Um, but does everyone have to be spiritual to, to sort of take on this coaching? Like what are your thoughts around that? Well, it certainly helps. It, it's not necessary, but let's make a couple things clear. What does it mean to be spiritual? What are you referring to? Who isn't spiritual and who is? So it's a misnomer that people don't really understand what this, what this is. So for instance, when I ask people if they have a spiritual practice, oftentimes they'll say, yes, uh, I go to church or I go to temple on a regular basis and I like the sermons and I like my minister and that's my spiritual practice. Well, it's a great practice but it's not a spiritual practice. It's an academic practice. Learning scriptures, reading the Torah or the Bible or you know the lessons in the scriptures that we come across in different faiths and different religions, that's academic. It's intellectual. It's learning facts. It's not a spiritual practice. A spiritual practice is how are you treating people? Do you treat people well? Do you judge them? And you're a person too, so how are you treating yourself? Are you treating yourself well? Are you giving yourself opportunities to experience love and joy? That's a spiritual practice. So who's more spiritual than whom? Nobody. Everybody has an animating force called by different names and different traditions, like it's called the Atman in the Hindu tradition. It's pranayama, which is breath in the uh, language of the yogis. Uh, Chinese call it chi. These Eastern philosophies are all around understanding different ways that it shows up in our lives. But everybody has an essence or a spirit. So everybody, per se, is spiritual. Now, are they aware of it? That's what we're talking about, raising awareness of a spiritual import, what's happening on that level. So we are a triune being, at least three aspects to the human condition, body, mind, and spirit or animating force. And all three have to be present for a human being to live a life. If this animating force that we call spirit or soul in the West, in the traditions of the monotheisms of Jerusalem, you know, Islam, Christianity, and Judaism, call it soul or spirit, no matter what label we stick on it, it's the same animating essence in every human being. And when that leaves the body, we call that death. So the body's still there. The heart, the lungs, the cardiopulmonary system, the nervous system, the immune system, the blood, the bones, the flesh, it's all still there in the dead corpse. But the animating essence has left the building, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So that's clear evidence to me that there is some animating essence that we could call soul or spirit that inhabits this body while we're alive on this planet. And 
we, if we don't address that, if we think, oh, I don't understand that, so I'm just going to dismiss it, then we're unable to utilize the benefits that it gives to our lives. Yeah. And that's the healing force, by the way, as you well know, I'll repeat for your benefit and for the benefit of our listeners, that that's the part that does the healing in our bodies. So if you cut your finger, you don't have to figure it out. You don't have to understand how blood coagulates and how the platelets come together. Before anybody knew that, nobody had to know that for the cut to heal itself. If you cut your finger and leave it alone, it'll heal itself. Mm-hmm. The body's a healing machine. Once that body is no longer inhabited by a soul or spirit or animating essence, so it's dead, the dead body doesn't heal the wound. If you cut the finger on a cadaver, it won't heal itself because that healing essence has left the body. So the healing essence that automatically performs the healing and rejuvenation in our bodies is of a spiritual nature. And by the way, for people who are having a hard time understanding or believing such a a notion, you visit with your spiritual self every day, whether you're aware of it or not. And we do this every night when we go to sleep. There are four stages of sleep, uh, at least four stages that we've identified, uh, known by the Greek letters, alpha, theta, beta, and delta. Beta is wide awake. It's what we're in right now, beta brainwave state. It's this waveform that looks like a beta shape. And that's what we're doing right now. But when we first go to sleep, we get to alpha. We go to then deep alpha. Then we go to theta. And that's where REM sleep occurs and dream. And then we go to what's called deep sleep or delta stage sleep, where there's absolutely nothing going on in the brain anymore, except basal respiration and metabolism. There's no consciousness happening in the brain when we sleep, when we go into deep sleep. There's no dream. There's nothing. We've checked out of the building. And so the spiritual masters have said, that's when we check in with our source, the source of life within us. We're actually communing with that source every day when we get to deep sleep. And that's where the body then takes its cues and rejuvenates itself after we come out of deep sleep and back into theta again. All that healing happens best during the sleep cycles. And... The point being that we, if we don't commune with that every day, if we don't sleep, if we don't get to deep sleep, we don't heal. And in fact, we will eventually die. If you don't sleep, you will die. So we're checking in with our source every day, and that's a spiritual practice. So getting deep sleep and getting to deep delta stage sleep is actually a spiritual practice. Like I said, reading scriptures or quoting uh, Bible studies or whatever, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's not a spiritual practice, it's an intellectual practice. It's a mental and emotional aspect of academia. So most people don't realize what a spiritual practice is. And again, the the most important thing to concern ourselves with spiritually is how we treat people. That's what all the masters were most interested in. Guys like Jesus and Muhammad and Lao Tzu and the Buddha and all these guys. How are you treating the people in your life? That's a spiritual practice. If you, want to, if you want to get going with your spiritual practice, spend a week with your parents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I was thinking of, so I have um, one comment. You were talking about going into to delta sleep and how the mind kind of shuts off. And it's sort of like at that point, the mind gets out of the way so the body has that time to heal. That's right. Totally. 
Um, yeah, very interesting. And another comment there, I was going to say, like, my spiritual practice is very simple. I just close my eyes and sit quietly and feel the presence of my body. And it feels good. And to me, that's a spiritual to, practice. Yes. Yeah. Like, I keep it really simple. And so it, it can look like anything. And mine, I did a lot of that during my, during my time when I was coaching one-on-one -on -one with you in the beginning, was learn how to just sit and just feel peace in my body. And that, to me, has been been a spiritual practice that you introduced me to it's a spiritual practice yeah. and it's a practice that allows us to heal more effectively because you're releasing all that stress that gets in the way totally okay so on that let's move into what is as coaching why is it so effective and why does it lead people to very different outcomes much more positive outcomes than what they're hearing more in kind of the mainstream areas of life? So good question. And I hope people understand this because this is critically important to their uh, health going forward. Why is coaching important and effective? It's because there's a difference between therapy and coaching. Now I've been a life coach for nearly 20 years or somewhere about there, somewhere thereabouts. And People would say, what's the difference between life coaching and therapy? Because I worked as a therapist in a naturopathic clinic. I was an adjunct therapist for a few years before I went into my own practice as a life coach and counselor. And I, I know what therapy is, and I've done a lot of it, and I've been through therapeutic uh, practices myself and so forth many years ago. So therapy, psychotherapy or behavioral therapy or cognitive behavioral therapy, these things look at your past and they find out what happened and they figure out who did what to whom and why this has occurred and now we know what happened. So it's analysis, it's analyzing. And I did a fair share of that during the years I was a therapist and realized this is really not effective time spent. There are faster ways to get results then analysis. Analysis can take months and years to get to where you just realize what's going on here. And then what? Now what do we do about it? So that's where coaching is different than therapy. Coaching goes, doesn't need to know about your past. Maybe I'll, I'll learn a little bit about a person's past. It can give a couple indicators I can work with, but I don't need to know all the machinations of where you've been and what you've been through. We go from this point forward. We don't go into the past and stir it all up and find out what happened and who did what to whom and why and how it hurt. And we just go from now forward with coaching. So that's how it's different than therapy. So doctors and practitioners aren't doing coaching for AS. As far as I know, I'm about the only guy in the world who I'm the first guy who did AS coaching because I had AS and I healed myself after learning certain practices and principles of mind, body awareness. And then there are a couple others now, a couple other people who are carrying the torch and helping others in the field, and that's great. Uh, but what we're attempting to create is a mind-body solution to the physical pain and suffering. And through coaching, I teach these principles and keep people on track going forward. Instead of looking at what happened in their past and focusing on that, we go forward. We have to keep it in alignment because a lot of the things that I coach and that work well to put people in remission and then ultimately into full recovery, they can't figure out for themselves. 
Now, I've, I, I don't know if you can see the books in the background, but I've read a lot of books on philosophies and uh, spiritual practices and psychology and Eastern philosophy and Western philosophy and anatomy and physiology and pathology and nutritional sciences. And I put all this stuff together in amalgamation of what works. A lot of what works comes from the mystery schools and the wisdom schools of the East, like Kabbalah like Raja Yoga and Tantra, like the Tao. And in fact, the Tao was my favorite ism. It's not a religious, uh, it's not a religion per se, it's a philosophy. It doesn't espouse a belief in a God of any kind. It's just about how things flow through our lives. And this is what people can't figure out, is that they're out of the flow when they're in chronic illness. So the first premise that I teach people in my coaching, and then I have to back it up with keeping them on track to understand it is, Stop fighting the AS, which is anathema to everything that we've heard from the medical and, and support communities for people with chronic illness. The, the main thing they want to do is wage a war. They want to fight. Everybody's taught fight, fight, fight. You're a tough guy. You're going to fight. You're going to be a warrior. Let's be an AS warrior. Let's fight. You'll never heal that way because that's stress-inducing. That creates more resistance and more issues in the subconscious and the superconscious. And in people's emotional states that creates more stress, which impinges the immune system more and more, which weakens it and creates more inflammation, which causes pain and so forth and so on down the line. So the first thing I help people understand and, and coach them on is how to stop fighting it. And they can't seem to realize that without me telling them or you telling them that this is where we begin. We're gonna stop fighting the war and come to the peace, making the peace. So how do you do that? You got to find it within yourself. And that's what I coach people to do, how to find that within themselves. That's what you've done. That's what you coach people to do as well. So we talked about security control and approval of others. You got to find that within yourself. That's just one aspect of many that illustrates the point that the healing is within us. And everybody's looking out in the world around them for the solutions. Now, if there was a solution in the world around us, if there was a drug or a super pill or a miracle cure of some kind, I'd be all for it. I'd be all over it. I'd be a leader in the field. If fighting the wars and being a warrior was effective for healing, I'd be leading that charge because I did that for 10 years in my own life. I had the symptoms of the uh, ankylosing spondylitis for 10 years, and it was hell on earth. I know what this is. If you've read any of my books or my stories where I talk about who we are and who I am and what I've been through. You, you know that, and you know that, of course, Sky. but how did I end all that stuff? By stopping fighting it. And it, I have yet to meet a person who comes to me for AS, for help with AS, who's not fighting. They want it to go away. They're trying to make it go away, and it doesn't go away that way. It doesn't stop. Mm -hmm. That's why the medical community is united in their pronouncement that it is incurable. They have no medical cure. This is not curable. Well, not if you just treat the body, it isn't. If you just use drugs, we can help you with the pain. We can help you, you know, diminish the symptoms, maybe. But there's no medical cure because the medical practitioners are only looking at the body and the body only and not the mind, not the emotions, not the programming, not the stress, and certainly not the spiritual practices. So we have to do those things for ourselves. So it's a big question that you started with, which is, what is a spiritual practice? 
But again, realizing that we are three-part being, a triune being, body, mind, and spirit, and we could add to that emotions, body, mind, emotion, and spirit, they're all related. And what happens on one level happens on the other level. So if you're feeling pain in the body, it stresses the mind. If you're feeling unrest emotionally, it hurts in the body. So what happens on, you know, if you're, if you're spiritually restless, then the stress takes over your mind, which affects the body. So what happens on one level of the human condition happens on all levels of the human condition. It's one of the hermetic principles I learned from reading Kabbalah. The hermetic principles are the seven principles by which the universe operates, and I have met nobody who knows what this is. There are people out there who know what this is, but it's very arcane and very uh, ancient. But not anything has changed in terms of how the universe operates. One of the ways that the universe, one of those seven hermetic principles is called cause and effect. And science has figured that out, that for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. The third law of thermodynamics in motion, third law of motion, I should say, for every action and opposite and equal reaction. So when you're having an action in the body, the emotions and the mind pick up on that and react and vice versa. And that's why these are called mind-body conditions. That's what chronic illness is. Chronic illness involves the mind and the emotions rather than just the physiology. Like, you know, some conditions are simply physical. You cut your finger, it's a physical wound. You don't have to get emotionally upset about it, although some people do. And so they suffer more as a result. And they need to learn how not to do that with their pain. Can you imagine, and I know you can, but I'm asking at large, can you imagine if you didn't mind the pain of AS anymore? Can you imagine if you did not mind having the pain of AS anymore? You'd stop suffering. How would the immune system re respond to that? What uh, cause and effect would occur then for every action and equal and opposite reaction? What would be the event? It would get easier. Instead of fighting it, trying to make it go away, which is ineffective and there is no cure there. So we could, we could continue talking about this all day long and for months and months. And that's, in fact, what coaching does. It takes about eight hours of coaching before this stuff really sinks into people. But eight hours, that's, you know, like one good long day. That's nothing compared to the years and the years behind you that created all the stress and the issues of the drama in your life that you're now contending with. But it would take about, yeah, about a month of coaching for people to really solidify this and get on track. And in fact, my coaching program, uh, the group coaching, the uh, AS Recovery Challenge is eight weeks of training, an hour a week for eight weeks with assignments and uh, reading to do, exercises and reading assignments to, to take up. And after eight weeks, people will understand this. They're like, okay, I get it. And that's when the real breakthroughs occur. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean... Thinking about eight hours of study to save you 10 years of pain, <laughs> definitely well worth it. <laughs> Sounds like it to me. Yeah. And you see, you've, you've sat in on those groups. You see people are getting it in less than eight hours. I mean, after one or two sessions, people are going, my pain is gone. Yeah. Now, in order to remain in remission requires more training. But the pain goes away fairly quickly for a lot of people. And people's lives get better immediately. Well, because what we're doing is re realigning and readjusting their lives. We're not just fighting an illness. 
Yeah. We're showing people who they really are when they are what feels best. So everything in life gets easier. Mm -hmm. And you can imagine when you're out of pain of AS, things get easier. It's easier to walk to the store. Totally. Yeah. Or to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you go and enjoy your life a little bit more and go and enjoy a sunny day with your friends and laugh. A lot more. Yeah. I remember I, I still, I, like my body, I, I was in so much pain that sneezing was tremendous. Oh, and now I, like, now I can sneeze. I'm like, what a simple <laughs> joy in life to be able to sneeze and not be in pain. <laughs> Small things, right? But very meaningful. So yeah, the point being that your life is changing here. We're healing your life, not just your issues. Yeah. And we're healing your life, not just your body. So your emotions even out and you get happy and you don't know what people say after, you know, they coach with me for a couple of weeks. They're like, I'm just feeling great. And I don't know why I'm just feeling great. And I don't know why. And of course I smile and think, well, I know why because hmm. you're doing what I've asked you to do. You're learning the coaching and you're following through on it, but it's effortless when you get into the flow of your life and your, your life purpose and you focus on what feels good instead of what feels bad, everything shifts. Some people get it right away, some people not so much, a little longer. You know, some people have an aptitude for it more than others. If they have a spiritual awareness, that's definitely uh, beneficial. But unfortunately, most people don't, so that's okay too. Mm -hmm. And yet everybody feels it within themselves. They feel deep down inside that there's something truth oriented here there's some truth that they're arriving at when they're realizing who they really are instead of who they think they are and they stop trying to get security control and approval from others and they give it to themselves yeah everything shifts yeah i mean i think of someone's nervous system i mean i can think about my experience learning these and my entire nervous system calms down when i stop seeking validation or security or approval Totally. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So people need coaching on how to do that because they keep making the mistakes of falling back into the old habits and patterns. Yeah. So until they create the new habits, then they don't need the coaching anymore. That's what coaching does is deliver them new habits and new practices that after a couple of months feel normal. Yeah. So you don't have to pay attention anymore. It just is your habit. Yeah. I remember, Peter, you said something that's always really stuck out to me. And you said, you said, a pain-free body is not the end goal. That's the beginning of a very good life. And I was really focused on just fighting the pain and fighting the pain. And it was digging me a hole. It was just stressing me out more and more and more. And that stress was not helping my situation at all. That that fight energy is exhausting on the body and exhausting in the mind. And I think about people that have chronic fatigue syndrome and, and I also have experienced that in my life and almost all of it was coming from this constant struggle of this fight energy. It was just taxing. Like no, no wonder my body couldn't heal. And I didn't know I was in that state until I worked with you and you helped me get out of it. Then I could look back and see it, but I can, I can, I can see my process with all these tools you've been talking about and how they, they change the body. That's right. And so you're a great example of that. You've been through it yourself. 
And there was a time when you were fighting and fighting and trying to get rid of the pain and the people that you went to for help and assistance were helping you fight. And we're very interested in fighting the war and fighting things in life. And fighting is stressful. Super stressful, <laughs> ask, yeah. Ask anybody who's done it. Ask soldiers in battle. Are you under stress when you're in a firefight? Well, yeah. 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 Well, and I think about lots of people on diets because I did the diet thing for a long time. And, yep. and every time I decided not to eat something or whatever, like there was a level of, of disempowerment and of struggling and of um, like I was willing to eat a very restrictive diet out of struggle and out of just feeling exhausted and not feeling good. And so, so what that, did that do to your self image? Yeah, right. Exactly. So I felt disempowered. I felt more and more and more like a victim. I would have to, I'd go somewhere to try and eat something and people would offer me a cupcake and I would turn it down and they'd ask why. And then I'd have to tell them why. And so I'm, reliving the same story again and like to go more into sort of the psychology or brain science of it i'm firing those same neurological pathways of victimhood of fight energy of disempowerment every time i would have to tell someone why i wouldn't eat the cupcake none of that made me feel good it did not make me confident did not make me strong did not give me like the testosterone my 20 something year old self really wanted to have and then I didn't feel good. Made you weaker. Made me weaker. Totally. And that's what people are doing. And as they become victimized, believing, remember, we can control our beliefs and behaviors. These people are believing there's no cure for them. So their self-image of who they believe they are gets weaker and victimized and chastised and tormented by their inner critics. Mm -hmm. So they have a voice in their head talking to them saying, you're broken. You're not right. So they become people pleasers or perfectionists or some similar semblance of a mindset and a personality subtype mm -hmm. that they believe is who they are. Totally. Who you are is something more. Yeah. I really like what you just said. I mean, the, the one word of, of like, so believing that there's nothing we can do about AS makes us feel weaker. And that weakens our immune system it weakens our mental state it's not true like you and i and a bunch of other people are very clear examples that there's a lot we can do about as and we don't have to feel so weak well in our case people like you and me we don't have as anymore we don't have the symptoms it's gone i've been in remission for over 30 years i call that done <laughs> yeah 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 totally yeah, and I feel really good too. I mean, I'm out, I'm out moving every single day, and I get to go on on a mountain bike ride with a friend of mine here later today. And I'm I'm like I'm so happy and I'm so grateful for the state of my body. It's incredible. So that's your that's your mental image now. That's your uh, self image as far as you're aware and feeling today. I'm healthy. I'm happy. I'm feeling good. I'm going for a bike ride all these statements that are talking about I am and who you really are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing I coach people on the spiritual note on, you know, if we're talking about spiritual practices to recognize who you are at your core, not what you think, not what you feel. Those are aspects of what's called the ego or the cognitive mind, but who you are at your core and people don't know who they are. 
So when they get who they are and they cut through all the chaff and through all the mental machinations that keep them victimized and powerless, which is what happens to people with AS, they become victimized and powerless. When you cut through all that mental chatter that supports all that and you let go of the people who are supporting you in illness, you find out who you really are. So I found out who I really was through the spiritual practices as well. And I had thought that I tested myself with who I really was by being an extreme athlete, by doing crazy, wild and crazy, dangerous stunts and feats for the thrill of the adrenaline. I was an adrenaline junkie and I thought, now I'm seeing what I'm made of and who I am and what I'm capable of. Okay, that's one thing. And I went through all that process when I was a young man and it was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. It was stupid in many cases. I did a lot of stupid things that could have led to easy death. Uh, but I was pushing the limits to find out who I was. None of it led me to who I was. It led me to what I can do. Yeah. Who I am is primary or rises above what I do. Yeah. So how do we find out who we are? By letting go of all the ego and the cognitive mental chaff in the mind that relentlessly bombards us every day with this self-image of victimization and anger and anxiety and fear and hopelessness and powerlessness. So who are you when you let go of all that stuff? And there are three things left. And when you get to that point, which you're getting to, or you are, you've already arrived, it's the best, it's heaven. It's heaven on earth. It's like Jesus taught, the kingdom of heaven is within us. If you find heaven within you, when you cut through all the mental crap that's going on, and get to who you really are. And this is who you really are. It's three things. When you cut away all the thinking and all the feeling and all the beliefs and behaviors, you are just love, joy, and peace of mind. That's what the essence is composed of. And that's how it shows up in our lives. Love, joy, and peace of mind. So that's what you're feeling. You're like, I love my life. I love what I get to do today. I'm going out for a bike ride. It's so much joy. It's coming out of me when I practice these things and it leads to peace of mind. Peace of mind is the key to healing chronic conditions. Yeah. Now, it doesn't, doesn't just follow that if I get to peace of mind, I will heal. There's more to it. That's why coaching is important to know what to do with this once you get there. But the healing essence that leaves the body, you know, we cut the finger of the cadaver and it can't sew the thing to cut back up anymore because the healing essence has left the body. That healing essence is love, joy, and peace. Mm -hmm. So when I coach people into love, joy, and peace of mind, everything changes. The relationships get 10 times better. Their health clears up for the better. Yeah. Their careers take off. Their communication skills improve exponentially. They're feeling something different than they felt before, and it's called the authentic self. So now we're being authentic instead of being who we think we are, trying to prove to ourselves through our bucket lists and whatnot that, you know, we're capable of this, that, or the other. Now, it isn't wrong to have a bucket list and do these things. Like I said, I've done a lot of this stuff myself, but it doesn't lead you to who you are. Letting go of all that stuff will show you who you are then everything is joyous. Everything is beautiful. Everything is amazing. I just walk through the forest and just laugh my backside off, man. I just can't stop laughing when I'm walking through nature because it's so gorgeous. 
It's yeah. like the leaves are shining, you know, with rain, sunlight out, and colors are more enhanced, and the smells of nature are just so prevalent. And all this because I'm being present with who I am authentically, my authentic self. Mm-hmm. And that's where healing comes from. Yeah. People have to learn how to do this because there's no doctor out there teaching it. So which books to read? Everything you could ever want to know is already out there. All the information you need is in the books and the teachings that are around the world and on the internet that you have access to. The key to success in any endeavor is knowing which books to read, which lessons to take. All the information is there. To heal from AS, it's all there already. Now go find it. That's what I've done, and I've borrowed from five major traditions to come up with what is called the Winslow Way. And that's what I coach people in a matter of eight hours. I can get them to where it took me 25 years to get to. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And, and who, like, you're correct. All the information's out there to go find it. Like, what a scavenger hunt. For me, I remember I studied, I went to retreats, I went to mind body things, I did, I did a lot before I had met you, but no one could relate it to my situation. No one could relate it specifically to the pain I was in every single night or waking up in the morning or, or what it was like to be in so much pain I couldn't sleep laying down anymore and I had to sleep sitting up in a chair. I did what, that for seven years. Totally, right? And so to connect with someone that actually has been there and has pulled the teachings together and can, has a deliverable was, I mean, that's what changed my life. Absolutely. It's, it's what you offered me. It's what I've authored, offered others. It's what your whole group is about, the AS Recovery Challenge, which has, you know, a dozen people on it every week or more. And, and um, so, yeah, it's like... Not only do they have access to people that have the information, but that have done it themselves and can deliver it from the standpoint of knowing what the client or the person is capable of, because we've done it ourselves and, and we've lived it. Like we've embodied that information to the extent where disease is gone. Like you said, 30 years, call that done. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Great, great points you've just made. And uh, that's why I stick with people with AS, because I had AS. Yeah. The teachings that I'm giving, and I have a practice as a life coach as well, not just an AS coach. But the teachings that I'm giving to the AS community could pertain to anybody in chronic pain. However, I didn't have those other conditions. I didn't have MS or chronic fatigue or any of those things. So I can help those people. But I'm helping people with AS because I had AS. Yeah. And I know how dreadful it is. And I can really precisely pinpoint what's going on for them because I've been exactly where they were before. And unfortunately, that's one of the uh, situations in our medical community that doesn't hold uh, to be the case. Most of our rheumatologists and doctors never had AS. So they don't know what it's really about except academically. They've studied it for years and they're good at what they do. I'm not banging on them. You know, they do what they do and they make a very good living doing what they do. Mm-hmm. So somebody's doing something right. Uh, but there's no cure there. And most of them have never had this condition for themselves. So they can only speculate as to how it, how it feels. I've been there. I've gone through it for, for 10 years of symptoms. You had the same thing. Your symptoms were so debilitating you could barely walk like me at times. We had to crawl to the bathroom. 
couldn't get out of bed, couldn't get into bed, all kinds of stuff. And all of it gone now mm -hmm. because I addressed my mind, my emotions, and my spiritual proclivities. And your body. You learned oh, how yeah, to move well, your body. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah. That's an aspect of it as well. I became a bodybuilder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was empowering as ever. I was a bodybuilder <laughs> for nine years. Yeah. Yeah. What a change, huh? <laughs> Such Complete a shift. reversal of self-image. <laughs> totally. Me too. I like during my time with you, how my, how I looked physically in the beginning versus how I looked physically at, you know, after a couple months was completely <laughs> different. Shocked people. Absolutely. It helps when you can eat a nine course Mexican meal and you don't <laughs> just have to drink soup. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, nice Peter. Well, we're, we're almost at an hour, so we'll, we'll, uh, we'll close it up here. Um, you offered a lot. You offer a lot of depth in what you have to say. And so for people that are listening where a lot of this dialogue is new, it doesn't always have to be difficult, right? Like learning a spiritual practice doesn't necessarily have to be hard. Like what I said, mine was just sitting and being quiet with my body and feeling peace and learning how to quiet the chatter in my mind. Or we can take it to deeper levels like Peter does in his coaching. And so with regards to that peter my last question for you is you tend to go deep you're a very 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 intelligent person um but we don't want to scare people away <laughs> right that's not the point because things can actually be very very simple the the practices that you offer are backed by a lot of wisdom science um but they're also quite simple so very so simple very basic right that's the that's the most surprising part of it to me is what i've developed is so simple and that's what the feedback is that i get from everybody i work with they're like god this is so simple i thought it had to be complex and complicated and scientific and you know this mystery illness as and nobody can figure it out yeah so to your point it, it's not complex in fact People don't believe how simple and easy it is, and they laugh about it when they, when they finally apprehended this information through coaching. They're like, I never would have thought of that because it's so simple. Humans like to make everything complicated, and we believe erroneously that the more complex something is, the more valuable it is. So the more complicated a B12 overhead injection engine is, the more it costs because the more valuable it is because it's, it's more complicated. But any engine can just take you from point A to point B and get the job done if it's working properly. And that's what I show people how to do, get their mind and their bodies in alignment and in sync with feeling good. And it's simple because we let go of all that analyzing and trying to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Good. I, I wanted you to hit on the point that it doesn't have to be overly complicated because that, it's not. that's that can be a daunting task for someone in a lot of pain to think they have to take on this big challenge. And it's actually quite the opposite. So we can talk more about the simplicity of it, maybe in the next episode, but for now you kind of, you covered what I was looking for there. So thank you. Excellent. Glad to do it. Yeah. yeah. We're helping the world. Yeah. Yeah. This podcast has been great. We've had really good feedback and um, it's so unique. I, I got a message from someone the other day who 
typed into the internet somewhere, Ankylosing Spondylitis podcast, and they found a couple. And the first few were really, really negative. And it, it made the person who was looking for help feel worse. Yeah. And then, and then this person clicked on this one. And it changed everything. All of a sudden, there was, there was hope. There was empowerment. There were people who had done it. There were people that were willing to help. And, and that right there is a huge gift. So, so I want to thank you for your time with being here, with helping spread this message of we're, we do not have to be victims forever. And there are people that, that know a path of success. Let go of the victimhood and the body will follow. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's my pleasure to be here with you today. I'm really uh, enjoying our uh, interactions and anything that can help the people. I'm all for it, man. That's a spiritual practice. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's fun to be able to share what we know to people that are, that are looking for it. And there are millions and millions of people that can benefit from exactly what we're talking about here. And so with that note, we will keep the podcasts rolling out. <laughs> Excellent. I better roll up my sleeves because we've got a lot to do. All right, Peter. Well, um, thank you for your time today. Um, we will end this now, and I will speak with you again next week. Okay, great. I'm looking forward to it, Sky. Thank you so much once again, and uh, be well. Last thing, where can people find you? Find me at asvictors.com. That's asvictors.com. <laughs> Perfect. All right, Peter. We'll see you later. All right. See you, Sky. All right, everyone. Welcome back. So a quick summary. Peter went pretty deep with that. And at the end, you realize that it can be simple. None of us want to do things that are more difficult than they have to be, especially people in pain. It can be very daunting for someone in a lot of pain to think that reclaiming their life from disease is going to be very, very challenging. That is setting them up for a big hill to climb, or so they believe. So I want everyone to understand that the mind-body application, the mind-body principles that are discussed in Peter's private coaching class, in this podcast, in my private coaching, is right to the core of what's necessary to rebalance your body and your nervous systems with a lot of emphasis put on keeping it simple. That's the thing. Keep it simple, keep it simple, keep it simple, so that people can apply these concepts and these tools into their life to achieve success. We can all sit here and talk theory and talk intellectual concepts, but what matters is not the intellectual concepts, it's the actual application into someone's life, into their brain, into their body. And that's where the simplicity is very, very important. So, as we discussed in the next podcast, we will be talking more about how we can keep this all very, very simple. But for now, I trust that you enjoyed the show. If you made it this far, I absolutely know that you picked up some nuggets of wisdom that are most likely resonating very, very true in your mind, in your body, in your heart, because what we talk about here has a level of wisdom to it that is not found in many other places. And when people discover this, they might not know everything that we're talking about. This might all be a lot of new vernacular, new words, new vocabulary, new ways of thinking. But when it resonates in your body, even a little bit, you know that this is right for you. So for all of you listening right now, I thank you 
I congratulate you. My name is Sky Denton. I encourage you to go to my website, skydenton.com, and look at the information there. Contact me with any questions you might have. And I would absolutely love to talk to you on the phone sometime and give you some pointers on how you can reduce your pain from ankylosing spondylitis.